This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon. Just gone 10 past 2, our usual time slot, <laughs> 10 minutes past 2, coming to you live here from Joburg um, on this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, um, looking forward to the rest of the week and looking forward to great things coming up. But um, I would like to spend some time today focusing on today. Um, you know, when we look around us and we think about the amount of things that happen in a day, certainly in this country, if we think about the big news events that have happened yesterday and things that are going on even today, um, a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot, let's call it a lot to be desired of uh, people and people's behavior. And um, we very often look at um, the people in positions of leadership, not only wondering how they got there, but why they're still there. And we continue to wonder at um, morality, at ethics, at an ability to um, be somebody that everybody can look up to. And so we have to really turn around and thank our lucky stars and thank God that when it comes to um, our um, religious life, that thank God we have the people of leadership and particularly um, the real tzaddikim, the righteous uh, people, um, both of our generation and of previous generations, to be able to say that our Judaism is not only just about God and us, but it's about the living examples and the examples of people who have lived, who gave us a real, real proper down-to-earth example of how we're supposed to live our lives, how we are supposed to be the people that um, Torah really wants us to be, which is doing the right thing, doing good things, making sure that we set the right examples, that we live up to the demands and the commands of the Torah itself, that we are really representatives of godliness on earth. How do we do all of that? And it is wonderful to know that we have examples that are right in front of our eyes that we can really look at, not only learn about, read about, but really try to emulate and take some extremely powerful pointers from uh, their books and from their lives and the things that they did and the things that they stood for. And of course, today is a very, very important day, certainly in the Chabad, Lubavitch, Hasidic calendar, as well as I would like to suggest the calendar of all Jews everywhere, because today marks the Yorzeit, today, the 22nd of Shvat, Chofbei Shvat, marks the Yorzeit today of a very, very great personality, and a personality who lived in our lifetime, a personality who was an example to us all of um, the um, real image of what not only such a personality should be, but of what all Jews should be. And particularly because this personality is a woman, um, the example of what all women should be and the type of respect and the type of um, adherence to um great and wonderful Jewish thinking of how revered um, women should be and how uh, well-treated women should be. And I think that we have the most incredible example 
um, that I would like to share with you today. Because it was actually on a Wednesday. It was then February the 10th in 1988, which corresponded to the 22nd of Shvat in 1988. It was uh, 5748. That this great personality, the Rebetzin, Chayamushka Schneerson, who had been, was the wife of the Lubavitcher Rebbe for 59 years, that she passed away after a brief illness. So if we go back exactly 30 years ago today, um, we're talking about 1988, 22nd of Shvat today, which then corresponded to February the 10th um, in 1988, the Robertson passed away. Now she had fallen ill uh, just the night before she was brought to the hospital. She requested a drink of water and she said the bracha um, for water. Blessed are you God by whose word all things come into being. And she then returned her soul to her maker. Now this lady, this woman, this great um, Rebetzin, Chaya Mushka Schneerson, was an erudite and a wise woman, and she had the most incredible life, but she was the most humble and the most unpretentious kind of a person um, in every which way, because although she was the wife of a leader of the caliber of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, was revered by hundreds of thousands of people around the world, very little was really known about her until after her passing. Um, and it was only then that uh, people felt that they could tell about her life and her personality without um, in any way violating something that she held so dear, which was her absolute, absolute privacy um, to the nth degree, um, something that she really um, stood for throughout her life. There was a procession for her funeral that was um, at least 15,000 strong by uh, conservative estimates. Um, There was a police motorcade that accompanied her to the Chabad Cemetery in Queens in New York. And there she was interred, there she was buried right near her father, the previous rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson. And it was on the very day of her burial that her bereaved husband, the Rebbe, established a charity fund in her name. And that continues today to serve a variety of uh, women's social and educational needs. In the days and the months that followed her passing, it was the Rebbe himself who spoke frequently um, and predominantly on a theme of Vahachai Yiten Elibo, which he said um, obviously, it means that the living shall take to heart how the passing of a person that is close to one to oneself should prompt you to take positive action and that there are many lessons from the person's life and deeds that we need to undertake in uh, deference to and in memory of um, that person's life to perpetuate their, me- their, their memory. And it's in this way that I've explained that um, she continues to live. He explained at length that her name, um, one of which is Chaya, is uh, the idea of life, of Chai, the idea of Chai Yitan Elibo, that um, we need to let the living take to heart, but we need to remember that this is the way 
that we retain in life uh, that individual, that she continues to live on through the good things that we do in not only in her merit, but because she taught us to do them. And um, when things are done in merit and coupled together with that individual, with that person, how it keeps them alive, it retains their living legacy, their living example, and um, their life um, is actually continued in and through our own. Now, this great woman, Rebetzin Chaimushka Schneerson, was actually born in a place called Babinovich, which is near the Russian city of Lubavitch. Yes, there was a town in Russia called Lubavitch. She was actually born on the 25th of Adar. It was a Shabbat as well. She was born on Shabbos in 1901. She was the second of three daughters of the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson and his wife, Rebetzin Chamedina. When she was born, her grandfather, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Sholom Dovber, was actually traveling abroad, and he sent a telegram to her father saying, Mazel Tov, on the birth of your daughter, um, and so on. And he said, if she has not yet been named, she should be called Chaya Mushka, which was the name of the wife of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. From her earliest years, the Rebetzin absorbed, of course, the purity and holiness that surrounded her, both from the house of her grandfather and that of her own father. Now, you can join the Darche Noam water drive and help us fill two giant trucks by today. Yes, cutoff date is today, Wednesday, the 7th of February, 2017. So time, of course, is running out. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And welcome back. We're uh, talking about a great woman, the Rebetzin, Chaimushka Schneerson, um, of blessed memory, whose um, stay on this earth um, ended in a physical sense, of course, um, on the Chofbe Shvat, the 22nd of Shvat, 30 years ago today. 22nd of Shvat, that's today's date, and this happened 30 years ago in 1988, or 5748, and exploring a little bit about her life, what um, and who she was, and to continue, we uh, spoke about her birth, we say, we continue with the fact that in the autumn of 1915, when um, she was just 14 years old, it was, of course, during World War One, and she, Chaimushka, and her family fled Lubavitch, and they settled in Rostov. While they were in Rostov, Rabbi Shalom Dovber, her grandfather, became ill. And, um, and then, when she was about 19, um, she was known to have been his most affectionate carer, spending many, many nights at his side. And before he passed away in 1920, he blessed Chaimushka and he left several Hasidic classics to her in his last will. Her early 20s uh, thereafter saw the intensified communist war against the Jewish people and um, the beginning of her father's heroic struggle to stand up and to fight against the communist onslaught. Um, <coughs> of course, in a war not of sticks and stones, but rather a war of um, defiance and a war of um, standing up for what was right and what was correct and for Judaism and Torah and learning and so on. And it was during those dark nights that uh, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak 
then her father, had his daughter Chayamushka at his side. He was well aware of her wisdom and her strength, and he began involving her in much of his work. She was asked to secretly transport food and supplies to the underground yeshiva, in the knowledge that she could be relied upon for her discerning judgment and her clever ability to achieve and accomplish under the most trying of circumstances. It became very dangerous eventually for the Jews of Rostov, and in the spring of 1924, the family moved to Leningrad, where Chayam Mushka's involvement in her father's holy work continued. It was recently discovered in a document that was dated the 4th of December 1924 that her father wrote, so this is her father, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, who wrote, I hereby empower citizen Chaya Musia Yosepuvna, which means the daughter of Yosef Schneerson, residing at Machavaya Street, 1222, apartment 10, to receive monies on my behalf or documents that are addressed to me in all forms from the government bank and all of its branches and offices and from other banks, government or communal, or from other organizations or private persons or by telegraph. At that time, Chaimushka was 23 years old. Now, the persecution continued, and in 1927, um, there was something that we've referred to before, that um, the notorious communist police came to arrest. Her father came to arrest Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson. Maintaining her composure, she managed to alert the Rebbe, her husband-to-be, who was in the street, calling out, and she said, Schneerson, guests have come. Now, look at how she framed it. She said, guests have come to visit us. Understanding her message, the Rebbe was quickly able to notify others to take the necessary precaution and begin the international campaign for the Rebbe's release. Following his arrest and his imprisonment in Leningrad, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok was eventually exiled to Kostroma, and upon his request, she was allowed to join him for that journey. On the 12th of Tammuz, she was the bearer of good news when she notified her family in Leningrad of her father's release. In the autumn of 1927, on the day after Simchas Torah, the Schneerson family left the Soviet Union and they moved to Riga, to Latvia. Before leaving Russia, Chaim Mushka had become engaged to marry our Rebbe, the Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. Now, many have pondered the idea that um, and thought about the fact that both bore the name Schneerson. Well, yes, they were cousins, um, not first cousins, but they were cousins indeed, and therefore they both um, at birth had the same name, Schneerson. Schneerson, of course, originating from the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Schneer Zalman. They were all the um, family who came from um, that branch of um, the um, uh, being the, 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 the direct descendants of Rabbi Schneer Zalman. So they were cousins, but they had the same surname. Um, and the actual marriage was delayed until 1928, in fact, when on the 14th day of Kislev in 1928, their marriage was, in fact, celebrated in Warsaw in Poland. On the day before the wedding, thousands of Jews had flocked at the railway station in Warsaw to welcome her father and his family. The Rebbe was arriving. His family were arriving for this great day, for this great event, for this great wedding. And during the course of the day, 
Many Hasidim came in from all over the then known Jewish world in Poland, Lithuania, Russia. Um, they came to Warsaw for the wedding. And at eight o'clock in the evening, in the presence of the students of the yeshiva, Tomchei Tmimim, her father celebrated the Chosin Mol. He um, had a meal, a Fabrengen, together with the students, and he said a Hasidic discourse. When midnight had come and gone, the meal was still in progress, and her father expressed his desire to celebrate together with the yeshiva students, um, and he danced there celebrating the fact that his daughter was about to be married, of course, to one of the greatest people of our time, and if not of all time, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe himself. And now... On the next day, on the 14th of Kislev, at 5 o'clock in the evening, the Kabbalat Panim began, which is the pre-Chuppah reception. Um, there were ushers in place, and only guests with formal invitations were allowed entry. Um, and thousands of people had uh, surrounded the building because there simply was no room for everybody inside, not that they didn't want people to attend the wedding. Um, meantime, hundreds of miles away, hundreds of kilometers away, in a place called Dneptroto, I never get the name right. Dnepropetrovsk in Yekaterinoslav, as was known then. Another wedding celebration was in fact taking place for the same wedding. Because unfortunately, the parents of the Rebbe, the parents of the Chosen, were unable due to the restrictions placed upon them at the time to actually travel to the wedding. And so they missed their son's wedding, but they did at their home. Um, organize a, a festive meal and a fabrengen, a gathering where hundreds of local Jews got together to celebrate with them. And that, of course, is Rabbi Levi Yitzchok and Rabbi Tzimchana Schneerson, parents of the groom. On the 14th of Kislev in 5714, some 25 years later, the Rebbe said to his, to his Hasidim, it was this day that bound me to you and you to me. Now, following the wedding, the young couple, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson and Chaya Mushka, lived in Berlin, where they stayed until 1933. In the spring of 1933, as the Nazi regime came to power, they fled to Paris, and um, the Rebetzin was then known to have taken certain university courses at the same time as she assisted the Rebbe with much of his study. In 1939, Germany began World War II, um, and it was, of course, begun by the Blitzkrieg um, against Poland. Her father, Chaim Mushka's father, the previous Rebbe, um, managed to leave early in 1940 while Germany was still officially at peace with the United States. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok and some family members miraculously arrived in the United States on the last boat that crossed the Atlantic before the U-boat blockade famously began. And once in New York, her father set in motion uh, the efforts to rescue the rest of the family um, from Europe. In May 1940, France was invaded by the German forces and it surrendered within four weeks. A French puppet regime led by Marshal Philippe Pétain and Pierre Laval was established in Vichy. And the Rebbe and the Rebetzin, like most Jews, fled to Nice in southern France, choosing to live under Pétain's government rather than direct Nazi occupation in Paris and the surrounding areas. In the course of their flight, there was a devastating bombardment. And as people ran in every direction, the Rebetzin noticed an explosive shell heading towards a man next to her. 
Amazingly, she quickly pushed him to the ground and saved his life. In recounting the story, she said, True, I saved his life, but for pushing a Jew, one must do teshuva. Could you imagine the thought process of uh, the woman um, thinking even to say such a thing, regretting the fact that she had to push somebody, even if it was to save his life? When they escaped the Nazi onslaught in 1941, the Rebbe and the Rebbetzin boarded the Serpa Pinto, um, a ship that set sail from Marseille in France via Lisbon to the United States. And on the 28th of Sivan, they arrived in America, took up residence in New York, where her father had, of course, as we mentioned, settled in 1940. Chaimushka herself had escaped the Nazi clause, but she would not escape the nightmare of Europe because her uh, younger sister, Shana, and her, her husband, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Horenstein, were still trapped in Poland when the United States declared war on Japan in December 1941. And, of course, then all contact with them was lost, and it wasn't until after the war that she and her family learned for certain that the Horensteins had perished in the gas chambers in Treblinka. Now, it's well known that in 1950, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, upon the passing of her father, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson, that the leadership of um, the worldwide Chabad Lubavitch movement passed to Chaim Mushka's husband, to Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Righteous Memory. Less well known is the fact that despite the Rebbe's initial adamant refusal to accept the mantle, it was his wife, the Rebbetson, who, notwithstanding the great personal sacrifice this would entail, finally prevailed on him to accept the position with all its public and private hardships. She was steadfast. It is simply unthinkable that my father's 30 years of total self-sacrifice and accomplishment should, God forbid, come to naught. She was wise beyond the imaginable, and she carried the mantle of her revered and exalted position in the most unpretentious and humble fashion. She really fulfilled, um, as has been written many times, the ideal of the Tehillim of the psalmist who wrote, the entire honor of a king's daughter is within called Gvuda Bas Melech Penima, because when um, calling the Rebbe's office at 770, or calling a high school girl in her dormitory, she simply referred to herself as Mrs. Schneerson from President Street. I can add there a little personal knowledge of such an anecdote. I know that um, a sister-in-law of mine um, once worked at a doctor's office in Kingston Avenue in Brooklyn, and she too once received a telephone call from Mrs. Schneerson from President Street. That was the way she referred to herself. She was gentle and she was courteous to everyone. And the Robertson saw her role as one who was wholly devoted to the work of her husband. And even when she relayed advice to those who sought her guidance, she would repeat his wording with precision, making sure that they understood exactly what the Rebbe intended. Now, just something very brief about her name. A lot of people have um, named their children since then. In the last 30 years, there are a lot of Chaya Mushkas, or Chaya Musia is the same name, in the Chabad and broader Chabad community around the world. Chaya means life, and Mushka actually means an aromatic spice. In the significance of naming a child after the Rebetzin, the Rebbe once said, 
we can demonstrate that her children of are alive by our taking a lesson from her conduct and conducting ourselves in her spirit in a manner of self-sacrifice. And this is even more so when naming a child after her and training the child to follow her example. After all, this is the most basic aspect of her children alive are alive, so too is she alive. It was well known, of course, that the Robertson had no children of her, of her own, yet when a child visiting her at home asked her, where are your children? She answered, the Hasidim are my children. Thousands of little girls around the world today proudly bear that name. The great respect that the Rebbe accorded to the Rebbetson gives us a glimpse of her true stature. Because although the Rebbetson declined public recognition, the Rebbe frequently referred to her with reverence. Once the Lubavitch Women's Organization sent her a bouquet of flowers, together with a list of individuals for whom blessings were requested. She set the, the setting aside the flowers for the Rebbetson, the secretary passed on the letter to the Rebbe, who, observing that it was addressed to his wife, asked the secretary to give it to her, saying, she too is capable of giving blessings. He once commented to a friend of the Rebbetson, you have a good lawyer on your side, of course, referring to the Rabbitson herself. There was something that happened in the history of uh, the more recent history of Lubavitch, of the Chabad Lubavitch movement, because there were unfortunately some legal proceedings that happened between um, a part of the Rebbe's um, or the Rebbetson's family and um, the Chabad Hasidic movement and the Rebbe himself about the ownership of a library which contained um, a great and incredible collection of uh, Torah books, of historic artifacts, of great, great manuscripts. Um, and the contentious issue was um, as to whether these books which were actually gathered and put together and um, kept um, throughout the harsh and difficult times and then into all the times in America by the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe were actually personal um, um, parts of his estate and therefore um, did they devolve upon his natural heirs, his children, his daughters and um, grand grandchildren or were they actually um, – did they actually belong to the community? Were they personal or were they communal? And it was uh, quite amazing that when she was um, asked to do a deposition and to actually speak um, to the lawyers um, in order to establish the ownership of the books in this Lubavitch library, when the defendant's attorney asked her to whom did the books belong, she famously answered, my father himself and everything he had, including the books, belonged to the Hasidim. And her words that were spoken with such sincerity and conviction, um, with all the bearing that it had on her own personal life, made a profound impression upon the judge and undoubtedly helped sway the judgment in favor of the Rebbe and the Hasidim that, in fact, the library, the books, 
were to be something that belonged entirely to the Hasidim. And it was an empirical and essential statement that she made because it wasn't only about the library books, but really she was making a statement to all of us about the Rebbe. And it was the way that she actually lived her life in the most incredible fashion. We say that she shared the Rebbe with all his Hasidim and with all his followers and with all the Jewish world around the world and the world beyond that. But in fact, we got the lion's share. She, as the wife, um, enabled his great and incredible and dynamic ability to give and to keep on giving uh, to the world around. There was never a thought of her own personal uh, pride or needs. Um, there was one thing that was absolutely clear. He was the he belonged to the Hasidim. He belonged to um, everybody, and there was no such thing as um, having a personal claim or a personal pride or a personal um, uh, demand at all on the Rebbe's time, on the Rebbe, or um, anything for herself. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we're back to talking about a, a great, uh, incredible life, an incredible woman whose yard site is today. The Rebetzin Chaimushka Schneerson passed away on the 22nd of Shvat in 1988. Um, the um, fact of the matter is that um, the Rebetzin, the Rebbe pointed out that Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok, her father, uh, passed away in Shvat, as did his grandmother, Rebetzin Rivka, his mother, Rebetzin, his mother, rather, that is, um, the Rebbe, previous Rebbe's mother, Rebetzin Shtenosara, and his daughter, Rebetzin Chaya Mushka, all of them passed away in this month of Shvat. Now, it was in the afternoon following her funeral that the Rebbe called his secretary, uh, Rabbi Krinsky, and among other things, inst- instructed him to establish as quickly as possible a stocker fund to be named for the Rebetzin of Righteous Memory. And before the end of Shiva, the Karen Hachomish was established, an acronym for the first letters of the name, Harabonis Chaya Mushka Schneerson, at uh, Lubavitch World Headquarters, serving, the need, uh, serving a variety of different needs, primarily for women's social and educational purposes, which the Rebbe believed in in the most um, fundamental way. During the following years, the Rebbe distributed many, many funds to go to worldwide institutions that would um, help women individually as well as um, communally all over the world. On Sunday, the 24th of Adar in 1988, um, there was the laying of the cornerstone for a campus Chomish in memory of the Rabbitson, um, where a large girls' school stands today. And near the conclusion of that event, the Rebbe himself suddenly arrived. And from the car window, the Rebbe handed uh, $470, which was numerically the value of Chaya Mushka, um, saying... I am on my way to the Ohil. The Rebbe was going to visit his uh, father-in-law's grave. I shall visit her resting place as well. Tonight is her birthday, and this sum is my participation and her participation in this new edifice. So when we think about the great life of an incredible woman, and we talk about and we have heard so many incredible stories 
of a, the Rebetzin's concern for individual people, the Rebetzin's concern for the community, and the Rebetzin's concern for Hasidim all over the world. I'd like to just add on a personal level that um, for the best part of seven years, I was privileged to study in America um, for several of those years living in Crown Heights, living in close proximity to where the Rebetzin and the Rebbe lived. And while we saw, as Hasidim, we saw the Rebbe every single day um, when we were in New York, which was whether it was at the davening or the Rebbe coming or going from uh, the office or uh, walking on Shabbos as he did to and from 770 or being privileged to be at a Pesach Seder uh, where the Rebbe came and gave a bracha to the Bachrim and Yeshiva. Um, the Rebetzin was completely, completely out of sight. Um, I remember seeing her personally only twice, um, once driving by and once coming into 770, either to see her husband or her sister and family who lived upstairs in 770 in uh, Eastern Parkway. <coughs> she was completely and absolutely private. This was not a woman who came to shul and wanted or got any limelight whatsoever. Her husband was the rabbi, and she knew that that role was all-encompassing for men, for women, for everybody, and that her presence may have been and could have been some form of distraction. And so the Rebbitson continued. She worked many years as a librarian in a city library, um, a great interest, of course, in books um, and in literature and in making sure that people studied, that they learned, that they bettered themselves, um, whether they were Jewish or not Jewish in all walks of life. Um, the Rebbitson remained absolutely and con- completely private. Her um, home and her time with her husband was absolutely and completely private, respected that way um, by the Hasidim, by people all over the world. There were many people who were privileged and privy to private um, time with the Rebetzin. She invited people over um, for tea to the house and so on, not in the Rebbe's presence. But her time alone and at home with the Rebbe was completely and absolutely private. Although it was limited because the Rebbe's working hours were so long, um, from very early in the morning um, until very late at night um, and sometimes till the early hours of the morning um, I personally was uh, privy to seeing the Rebbe leaving 770 after a Fabrengen um, for one of the great occasions where uh, it was already getting light um, that was the work schedule that was the type of life that the Rebbe li- lived and could you imagine um, the role that the Rebbitson played and needed to play as his major private support system, as his personal confidant. And um, it clearly was uh, true to the fact that the most respected person in the Rebbe's life was, in fact, the Rebbitson, that she was um, everything to him, that she meant so much to him. His uh, tears in the Kaddish that he said and the way that he marked her passing by davening um, for the entire 11 months, the entire year of St. Kaddish and year of mourning in her home, in the house that they shared rather than um, in shul and so on. You know, um, average people um, keep that kind of for shiva and then it becomes uh, rather difficult. Yeah, the rabbi kept it up uh, for the entire duration of that first year. Um, 
of course, chassidim enabling those minyanim and so on, but out of great and incredible respect for this most wonderful and this most um, venerated and uh, revered and incredible woman. Um, and the Rebbe taught us um, just how great she was and how great the need is for her to be perpetuated and remembered. And so it is a day on which we need, I suppose, all of us to take a look at the um, reverence with which we are supposed to treat all women, the reverence with which we are supposed to look up to uh, the great and wonderful examples that women have given to us throughout Jewish history and to look at the great and wonderful examples of modesty, of integrity, of uh, faith, of power, of um, just what it means to be a Jewish woman, to relook at that in our own lives and understand the fine and fundamental example that Rebetzin Chayamushka Shniasen gave to each and every one of us. Please, God, not only will her memory be for a blessing, but all the things that we do in her merit will not be memories, but that they will actually be living examples of just how great and how wonderful the Rebetzin Chayamushka Shniasen actually was and how great her memory and her legacy is for each and every one of us. It's been an honor to be with you today, and I look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week um, at the same time. Um, I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. And um, for today, Chof Be Shvat, today the 22nd of Shvat, let's make some good resolutions, some good resolves to try and live our lives a little bit better do things a little bit more and particularly in the realm of the things that women do and should be encouraged to do as uh, the stalwarts of Jewish life all over the world. Take care.